0: Grab that chair for me. There we go. Uh, dude, I don't know about this. It'll be fine. (gasps) Just saying. Uh, do you know what you're doing? Yes, it's gonna be fine. Just saying. Hon? Boss, it broke. I got this. What? See, I told you'd it be fine. Just saying. Oh, Oh, sorry. Hey, Dad, can I have some candy? Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. But it's nine o'clock. It's bedtime. It'll be fine. Just saying. All right, you ready to go? Yeah, let's do this. Do you need some lighter fluid or anything? No, man, I got this. Yeah, yeah. Glad you're here with us today. Can we welcome everybody who's with us online as well? Thanks for joining us this morning. We're so glad that you're here. If you're brand new to ACF, we're glad that you're with us today. We are in a series of talks called Just Saying, and uh, we're going to get to that in just a second. Uh, before we get there, I want to draw your attention to a card that was on your seat. Would you pull that card out real quick? Uh, the one that says, for those yet to come. Um, you guys, we're like, we are making steps forward and expanding our space. It's it's awesome. If you haven't seen, there's a bunch of equipment out back, and all week long, they're digging up dirt and uh, working on our facility, and and maybe you're new and you don't really know what we're doing. We are expanding our space. Uh, we really believe that we all sort of stand on the shoulders of those who came before us, that we all have a place here at ACF Church because somebody thought of us. Uh, somebody came before us and made sure that there would be a church here, and they gave and they supported. and and they served and and created ACF Church probably before many of you were here. And so what we're doing today is we are thinking of those who are yet to come and making a space for them. And and that begins, uh, in in our case, by expanding our kids' facility downstairs and uh, by making a new entrance on the back. And and we were just in the uh, springtime. If you weren't here, we were just running out of space. Uh, And and so we, we believe that God is calling us to take a next step as a church to expand our facility here, make space for those who are yet to come. And so uh, parents, if you've been checking in, thanks for your grace on that, just working with us. I know it's been a little uh, maybe confusing on where to go and what to do. It takes a couple extra minutes, but um, I think our team has done a great job of making that as clear as possible, but I know it takes a little extra time, and so we're, we're thankful that uh, you guys have just been gracious with us uh, for that. But here's what I'd like to encourage you to do is uh, coming up on next week. Next week is the end of the giving phase of this first phase of ACF Next Step. And and so we have kind of done this this, uh, initiative to raise funds for this. And so next week we're going to talk about where we've come from, where we're going. And so don't miss next week. But what I want to encourage you to do is to take that home and pray about what God would have you do to be a part of ACF Next Step. And and so if you haven't been involved yet, um, maybe you've been kind of putting it off or it's been uh, on your refrigerator at home, you've just been trying to figure out what to do, I just want to ask you whether you're an Adult or a teenager, wherever you're at in life, we would love for you to be a part of this with us. Our goal from the beginning would be was that we would have 100% participation, that 100% of us would be involved in some way or another in supporting Next Step. And so I just want to ask you: Would you go home and, if you're, if you're married, pray with your spouse about this. Pray as a family about this. Uh, if you have a roommate, get together with your roommate and just talk about, like, you know, how you can take a step forward. And and then just make that commitment with us right now. We're at 66 percent, 66 percent, which I'm pretty excited about. That's that's like this crowd worth of this room. Sorry, you guys. But um, that's like this crowd of, of the room would be involved in the rest of you, like, come on, right? Let's let's get with this. So anyway, if uh, whatever it is that God's calling you to do, I encourage you to do that. Um, every week, we go to the scriptures, and I just ask you to follow Jesus. And that's what I'm asking you to do today, is just whatever God is calling you to do, take that step. Trust him in that. And uh, I'm just convinced we will move forward together in this. So... This series that we're in, Just Saying, is a study of the book, 1 John. And uh, we're going to go through this, this book really verse by verse. It's going to get us to the end of the summer. And this book is really, it's, it's a lot of truth. And it's going to challenge us. And it's a lot of things that maybe we don't want to hear sometimes. And it's written by a man who's later in his years. And, and this, this man is John. So he's like Grandpa John at this point. And Grandpa John has kind of lost his filter I don't know if you know any people who are a little bit older in in their years and they've sort of lost their filter. They just say it how it is. And that's really what John is doing is he's going to tell us how it is. And really what he's doing is he's questioning this this false confidence that we might have and, and calling us into a true assurance of our salvation. And for, for most of us, that's just hard. When somebody questions, like, are you saved? Do you really believe in Jesus? If you're a Christian here today, that's kind of hard to, to have somebody question that, but that's that's what we're doing. So um, it's gonna get pretty real at church for, throughout this series. I don't know if you're ready for it. I hope you are. But I hope that you know that as we read these words, John, you just sense a love for the church, a love for people. And I hope that you catch that here as, as I challenge and push you, whatever that may be, uh, that you hear that, man, I love you, I love the church, I love what God is doing in us, and I believe that he's calling us to to better things, and I think in so many ways, this book is for us right here today. In so many ways, I feel like we as Christians in America, it's so easy to call ourselves Christians. When maybe we haven't truly considered what it means to leave everything and follow Jesus. And so that's really what we're challenging uh, all of our, us to do is to take that step today. And, uh, and so why don't you grab a Bible real quick. Open up to First John chapter 1. And if you don't have a Bible, you can download the ACF Church app. All the scriptures will be there. But I'm going to read through this. This is verses 5 through 10. We're going to go through this whole section this morning. And really, we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be honest and to come clean about who we are today. So let me read these these passages for you. This is verse 5. It says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. is not in us. So I just want to start with this question. Have you ever been caught red handed in something? Can you just think, of, like, take yourself back to a moment where you were caught. You were caught in a lie. You were caught in a bad decision that you made, where you were caught red handed. And just take yourself to that place. I know for me, there's a lot of anxiety, and none of us like that feeling of being caught in our mistakes, caught in whatever it is that we did wrong. Um, for me, like, that's why I hate being pulled over by the police because my heart rate goes through the roof and it doesn't even matter if I think I'm completely innocent I am freaking out right Uh, I'm just I'm I'm anxious and I'm worried like what did I do what did I do and I was just thinking a while back here, um, I have this Jeep that I drove to church and, and the, I found out when I moved to Alaska, there's all these rules for vehicles that I didn't have back in Colorado. Like if you have a big Jeep with big tires, you have to have mud flaps, which wasn't a thing back in Colorado, but here it is in Alaska. And so somebody told me about this. I was like, ah, it doesn't matter, not a big deal. And you know, I'm sure it'll be fine. So I drove it to church and I parked it up on a, on a rock. And it looked all cool. And it's all flexed out. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's all flexed out, all cool. And I walked away and and, uh, went to church, came back out and uh, left after church, went on the Glen Highway. And as soon as I got out on the highway, it's red lights and sirens behind me. And, you know, there it is. The heart rate goes through the roof. I'm like, what did I do wrong? And it clicked in my head. Mud flaps, right? So I pull over and, uh, you know, there's people from church driving by, honking their horns, you know, shooting me texts. Like, what would you do, right? And uh, and so the, the police officer comes up. To the window, and he—they always ask the same question, right? Sir, do you know why I pulled you over, right? Which then you have a decision to make, because the answer for me is always no. I have no idea, right? I have no idea what's because go- I don't want to be caught, right? And so you just play dumb, act—you know, th- throw throw down the ignorance card. I'm not going to get caught in this moment, and I have no idea what happened. And he goes, "Wait, is this the jeep that was parked over at that church earlier today?" And I'm like maybe, and he's like, I should call the pastor, which is awesome. I'm like, you should call the pastor. So, anyway, he goes, uh, he's like, you know, he goes on to give me give me a, a fix-it ticket for my mud flaps, and you know, on my way I went. But I just remember in that moment thinking, you know, I could have avoided all of this by making a different decision, but. In the moment, I'm just afraid of, afraid of getting caught, afraid of being uh, in this moment where I'm going to be convicted of something. And, and I would say this is true for most of us. None of us like that feeling of being caught and the anxiety of finding out that we were wrong in something. Or, or more importantly, other people knowing that we were wrong in something. And that's really what we're going to get at today and what John is getting at is what does it look like to come clean? What does it look like to be honest about our mistakes, honest about who we are? And here's the big idea for the morning. Uh, the way you think about sin is an indication of your salvation. The way that you think about sin is an indication of whether you are saved or not. And once again, John is trying to challenge if, if, if you're here and you say, I am a Christian, like what does that actually mean to you and is that actually true? And and this gets in our business, and it's challenging, and it's hard to hear, but we need to consider that. Do we truly believe what we actually say we believe, and the way we think about sin, and the way way we deal with it is an indication of our salvation? Are we being honest? Are we being open? And if you're new here, I want you to know that's a big value for us as a church. I mean, if I were to boil down church every week into one statement, it would be that we're just learning to be honest together. We're just as a community trying to learn how to be honest about who we are, about the motivations of our hearts, and to be honest about where we're going in life. That's what we're learning to do together. 1 John 1 5 says this It says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So John starts off by making this argument about who God is, that God is always light. And the words light and darkness are referring to good and bad. Essentially saying God is always good. He's always right. Everything that he tells you is true. But then there's darkness. There's no darkness in God. God doesn't have like a dark side. He doesn't, you know, turn on and off the darkness and the light. He is always light, always good, all the time. And John actually reinforces this idea in his gospel. John 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word being Jesus he was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Once again, Jesus is always good. He's always light. He is light shining in this dark world that we live in. John ten says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so as we kind of get into this conversation about our mistakes and, and how we blow it in life, we have to start off by, by acknowledging that God is light. And what God says is always true and always good. And it's always right. But when there is stealing and killing and destroying in our lives, that's not God. That's not God. Anytime that there is stealing and killing and destroying, that is not God, God does not steal and kill and destroy. God is light. God is always good in every way. Psalm one nineteen one sixty, 160, we see the sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. And I love this psalm because it deals with the fact that sometimes we don't believe that God's rules are, are true. Sometimes we don't believe that God is, is saying something that's for our benefit. And this is key to moving forward, is just this question, do you believe that what God says is actually true? Do you believe that it's for your benefit and for the betterment of you and your family that you would actually follow what God says? Or do you blame God and accuse God? I think a lot of people even blame God for what's been lost in their lives. And I can't tell you how many people walk away from God for things that are resulted of sin and lies in this world. I want to start you off with this point. We have to stop blaming God for what the enemy has stolen from us. God is always true. He is always good. He is always light. Where you see stealing and killing and destroying, that is the enemy at work. We have to stop blaming God for what the enemy has stolen from us. But let's be honest. Not everything that's wrong in our lives is because the enemy stole something from us. Sometimes it's because we just made a bad choice. Like, I feel like Christians fall into a couple different camps. Either they don't realize there is a battle waging, a war that's waging for your heart, and people become obsessed with this kind of this spiritual battle and forget that, that they have a decision to make. Or people put it all on themselves, and they feel like they carry the weight of everything, and they don't realize that. And so don't fall into either of those camps. We want to acknowledge there is a spiritual battle, but we have decisions that we make every day. And, and in this, this, this book, John is dealing with this belief. It's called Gnosticism. And it's the belief that what is spiritual and eternal is what's good and important, but what's here in the body is, is not important. It's worthless. And we Christians can fall into this. We're like, oh, no, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. I'm living for heaven, right? Jesus, just take me away instead of going, no, you have, a, you have a job to do. Like, God has put you right here and right now with a mission and a purpose, and every choice that you make today matters. Like, the things that you do in your body matter. The the, the decisions you make throughout life matter. The the things you say matter. And Gnosticism is to say, like, no, it, it doesn't really matter what's happening here in the body. It doesn't matter what is happening now. It matters what's in eternity. And so John is trying to bring those things together going, no, no. Listen, what you do today does matter. Think about what choices you have made to put yourself in the situations that you find yourself in. And how we respond to that sin is an indication of the trueness of our salvation. First John 1, 6 says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So there are those who said they had fellowship with Jesus, but walked in the darkness. Like this, this word fellowship, again, last week is the word koinonia. It's this oneness with Jesus. In other words, there's people that John is talking to, people in the church who are like, no, I'm, I, I'm a believer. But they continue to walk in darkness, to walk in sin, to believe the lie. You can write this down. To be one with Jesus is to believe the truth. And to walk in, dar- in willful sin is to believe a lie. You see, there are two narratives that are going on in the world at all times. There is the lie and there's the truth. And we are always trying to figure out which one is which. Which one's the lie? Which one's the truth? And of course, we want to believe the truth. We want to believe what is right and true. But so often we don't. So often we don't know the difference between a lie and what is true. And he's saying to be one with Jesus is to walk in the light and to reject the darkness. He says, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus' his Son cleanses us from all sin if we walk in the light. So what have you done with the truth? I'm assuming if you if you're here today, uh, maybe you've been in church before. Maybe this is your first time and you're just hearing this stuff and you have a decision to make with the truth. And I would say there's a few stages that you might find yourself in. Uh, let's walk through those real quick. Stage 1 is that you hear it. You hear the truth. And and all of us here today are hearing the truth. We're opening the scriptures. And for a lot of people, that's where they, they end, is they just hear the truth and they don't move anywhere beyond that. But maybe you would take the truth, you would hear it, and then you would start looking around and ask yourself, do I see it? And that's the next step, is, is to see the truth. And, and this would be like, so maybe you got invited here to church by a friend, and, and after church, you're going to kind of start to look at that friend. They, they know Jesus. They're following Jesus. Uh, so is their life different? Are you starting to see that the ways of Jesus does a- affect them in a positive way? Are you seeing that what they believe is actually more true than maybe what you've chosen to believe? Because we're all here just probably looking for the truth. So first we hear the truth. Then we see the truth. The next step is to believe the truth. And, and th- this is, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of people in the church today are caught up between seeing it and actually believing it. And you can hear it every day of your life. And you can quote a lot of scriptures. You can say a lot of truth, but never actually believe the truth. And the last step is to actually live the truth, to live it. Because once you believe it, you will live it. And we talk a lot about this uh, as a church, that you know, we don't want you just to change what you do. We want you to change what you believe. And as you change what you believe, you will begin to change what you do. You see, religion says change what you do and then we'll work on what you believe. But really, the way of Jesus and the way of his kingdom is to show you the real truth. And to show you how this is actually better for you and better for uh, your family and for the people around you when you believe this and walk in it. The next question as I was thinking about this is that, that, how do I know if something is like willful sin? I mean, he's saying if you walk in the sin, then the truth, of, truth is not in us. I mean, that's, that's, that's scary to, to think that. How do we know if we're walking in it? And I want you to know there is a distinction between those who have sin and those who walk in sin. Because let's be honest, we all have sin, right? Like we all have things that we do wrong. We all have blown it. Maybe you blew it already today a couple times, you know. Uh, we all do that. And so that's, that's just going to be the journey of a Christian, is, is identifying more sin. In fact, I'll just tell you, for me at this point in, in life, I don't know that like apart from Jesus, I'm, I'm not any less of a sinner. I just acknowledge my sin today in ways that I didn't before. And in fact, I've become more aware of things. And as soon as God ta- takes something out of my life or changes something in my heart, I, I find something new that's wrong. And so it's this strange dichotomy we live in where we have been changed in Christ and we've been given a new identity and a new name in Jesus and yet we know that apart from his grace, we are still broken and needy. And so the life of Christianity isn't like becoming more self-righteous. It's not figuring out like how can I be good enough on my own. It's becoming more dependent on the grace that we've been given. And so that's the journey we're, we're all on. But then there's some of us who then become very comfortable with our sin and I'd say probably all of us today, if I were to ask you, is there one thing that you've sort of become comfortable with, that you'd be able to put your finger on that? You see, that's willful sin. And that becomes to be like a symbol, like have we really surrendered to Jesus when there's things that we've said, no, I'm just going to keep doing this. I'm going to sweep this under the rug. I'm going to try to hide this from my family or from my friends. And I'm just going to continue on in this behavior. John's like, hey, that's, that's not what it means to be in Christ Again, it's not to be sinless. It's to acknowledge your sin before a loving God. That's what it means to be in his family. And it's to realize that what we believed was a lie and to to, to claim the truth of Jesus. I love the psalmist. He talks about what he believes, about God's law. He says this in verse 97 of Psalm 119. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Now, I was reading this and I was just thinking, you know who never says that? My kids. My kids never say, like, oh, Father how I love your law, right? Like you told me to clean my room, I think of it all day long. I just think of how I wanna clean my room and and how I wanna take a bath when I don't wanna take a bath. And oh Father, I love your law, it makes me wiser than all my other third grade friends. You know, like, they never say stuff like that. They're just like, fine, I'll do it. Isn't that a picture of all of us when it comes to like what God calls us to in in so many ways? We, We look at the laws of God, most of us don't go, oh God, how I love your law. Would you give me more laws? Father, I don't have enough rules in my life. Can you give me more rules? Tell me more of what to do. It's it's my meditation. It makes me wiser all day. I love, he's acknowledging that anything that God calls you to, anytime there's a law or or something that God is claiming in your life that he wants you to do differently, he's not giving you a rule to, to do. He's actually leading you into the truth. He's teaching you this different narrative, this different way of living. And so we have to shift out of our pride and out of our independence when it comes to the laws of God from thinking of them as like God trying to steal our joy to God actually trying to give us joy. That the laws of God lead us into a righteousness that is true and good that can't be stolen from us because we're trusting in Christ's righteousness and not our own. And and so it's so much better, but most of us hang out hating God for giving us things to do, complaining about the the ways that he's calling us instead of realizing we have probably believed a lie. And anytime we reject the laws of God, it's because we've believed a lie. Hebrews 10.26 says, for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Think about that. When we continue on in deliberate sin, walking in the lie, it means that we have rejected the truth of Jesus, that we've rejected the the grace that God wants to give us. And you can't have both. You can't go like, God, forgive me. God, let me walk in your grace, but I'm going to reject the truth. See, to walk in the grace of Jesus is to believe him. It's to believe his word and, and to choose that what he says is actually true. So we talked about some stages with the truth. I want to talk about some stages with your sin. Like what's the thing you've chosen to let into your life that you've gotten comfortable with, that you've just sort of let set up shop in your life and it's been kind of become part of, your, part of your day? Is it some kind of addiction? Is it, is it anger? Is it like fits of rage? Like what is it that you have, have let set up shop in your life? Because the way of Jesus is not to like make your sin into like a pet. It's to pull it out into the street and put a bullet in its head. Like that's the way of Jesus. Like let's deal with our sin. Let's drag it out in the street. But, but we got to be honest about it. And we got we to gotta have some help from our friends. And we got to humble ourselves because that's just scary. So, so to deal with your sin a few stages. The first is to see it. And uh, some of you aren't even there yet. Like you're here and you're like, I don't even see that what I'm doing is wrong. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in and where we pray this dangerous prayer. God, would you, would you inspect my heart and see if there be any iniquity within me? God, would you show me the dark parts of my heart? Would you show me the lies? And here's the deal. If you pray that, I promise you God will do it. Uh, many of us are not courageous enough to, to be willing to look that in the eye because we're scared. We're scared of what's on the other side Of honesty in our lives. What's on the other side of of actually all of our sin being brought out into the open? We're just scared of that. It's why we don't want to admit that that we're wrong. We're just scared of what comes on the other side of coming clean. So the first thing is to see it, the next is to own it. I mean, what if we just stopped making excuses for the things we did wrong? We resisted the the drive to just blame somebody else. It's a culture of blaming, right? We blame our parents for our mistakes, blame our kids for our mistakes. We can always find somebody to blame politicians for our mistakes. We can blame somebody for what we do wrong. But what if we just searched for what we own in it? In what way have I believed a lie here? And what is the truth? So so see it, own it. It doesn't end there. Now we have to confess it. Confess it. First to God. First we stand before God as the highest authority. We go to him first and we say, God, this is what's going on in my life. And we're just honest, just brutally honest with God. And maybe you just tonight, before you go to bed, or maybe as we worship in the, next, in the next few minutes, that you would just stop and confess it to God. And maybe it's been years since you just said, God, I'm going I'm to own up to this. I want you to know this is a very important part of our faith. Uh, something we evangelicals have maybe lost the value of is confession. And we need to come back to that if you've moved away from that and acknowledge that that's like part of the rhythm of a healthy believer that we would confess consistently to God, but not just to God, to others. There's somebody in your life that you trust, that you need to begin confessing things to, acknowledging, hey, I believe some lies. I need you to remind me of what is true. So see it, own it, confess it, and then believe. Believe it. Believe the truth. Once you see it, own it, and confess your sin, you can believe something differently. And anytime you acknowledge that there's a lie in your life, you need to replace that lie with something that is true. What is Jesus actually saying about that area? What is it specifically that you've believed? You're seeking for some kind of intimacy. You've found it in multiple relationships. You've got an addic- addiction to pornography. You're, you're believing some kind of lie. What is Jesus saying that's true and cling to the truth that he's handing you? John, 1 John 1.8, continuing on, he says, If we say we have no sin which many of us have done this, I'm good. We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. And I love verse 9. There's hope in this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I was studying this passage this week, this idea of deceiving ourselves. And one commentary said the literal translation of to deceive ourselves is to make ourselves stupid. That's what it means to deceive ourselves. And I was like, to make ourselves stupid. And I realized that we do this all the time. We, we try to make ourselves stupid because we don't know what's on the other side of being honest and we're too afraid to do that. We're just afraid what's going to come. If, I, if all of me was laid bare, what would, what would happen to me? If all that I'd done wrong was laid bare before God and before other people, what would happen to me? And so we just don't want to look at it. In fact, we do anything to distract ourselves from looking at it. It's kind of like, have you ever been driving down the road on a long trip and the car engine starts making some kind of funny noise? And then you think to yourself, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'm just not going to pop the hood, (laughs) right? I'm just going to pray a lot. And I'm going to pray that God gets me to where I'm going, but I'm just afraid of what I might find. Like the whole engine might have dropped out. I don't know. Like I don't know what's going to happen if I pop the hood so I just don't want to deal with it. I mean, how many of you have an issue that's going on in a relationship right now? and you know that you wanna fix it, but you're too afraid to ask what's wrong, because you don't know what you're gonna hear. Maybe it's with somebody in the room today, right? Awkward, right? Because it's somebody right next to you, but you've got a problem with them, but you've not asked them like, hey, there's something going on, but you're too afraid to find out what's going on in the relationship. Or how about, maybe you're dealing with your personal budget, and every month you get to the end, and you sit down at the table, and you realize that you've spent more than you brought in, but you've never made a real budget. You never sat down and put all of your bills out on the table and all of your expenses and actually figured out what, because you're like, I don't, know, I don't know if I can handle that, right? I'm afraid of what I'm going to find out if I peel back the layers that I've developed over the years. And I just want you to know there is a, there is a personal thing that we, we all do this. We've learned to hide our sin. We learn it from a really young age, don't we? We learn how to hide our mistakes and how to, how to cover our sin and, and hide ourselves from being found out. Because maybe somebody hurt us. Maybe somebody judged us. And somebody did not treat us like Jesus treats us. And so we've learned to hide our sin. And the way of Jesus is to start to peel back those layers that have kept us in bondage for so many years and start to be honest about who we are. But so many of us choose to deceive ourselves, to to, to hide all of our mistakes. I don't know if we think that maybe God won't know, right? We're like, if I don't know, then God won't hold me liable but just so you know like that's that's never that's never something that we we see in scripture like plausible deniability is is never a valid excuse to an omniscient god who knows everything who knows the motivations of our hearts who knows that we just didn't pop the hood well we're still liable for what we've done in our lives we've got to come clean verse 10 says if we say we have not sinned we make him being god a liar And his word is not in us. It's kind of like this. So like I said, there's two narratives in the world. There's the truth and there's a lie. Satan's called the father of lies, right? He steals, he kills, he destroys. Jesus is over here giving us truth and life and light and all that's good in the world. And so when we in our lives choose to believe the lie, we make that the truth and we call God a liar, And I don't know before this week if I've ever thought about this this way. That when we believe the lie, we call it the truth and we say, God, you're a liar. What you say is good is not true. What you say is true is not good. I don't think you have my best interest at heart. I think you're trying to steal my joy, not give me joy. So I'm going to believe in the lie. And this passage just says that if we say we've not sinned, In other words, we're believing the lie. We make him a liar and his word is not in us. This word word is the word logos. As we said earlier, this passage, John says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. This word word is Jesus. So if we believe in the lie, we call the the truth a lie, then Jesus is not in us. Our salvation is not real. We've chosen to believe a lie. We're rejecting what is true. We have to come down and come clean. We have to be honest that we are trusting in our own ability to be righteous. And that's really what self-righteousness is. Uh, Nobody likes the label of self-righteous. Nobody wants that on their tombstone. Here lies Brian, self-righteous. Nobody likes that, but really we all are in so many ways. To to, to be self-righteous is to trust in your own righteousness. And the fact that we won't come clean is a sign that we're putting faith in our own righteousness. We're afraid of what it might what we might find out if we're honest, we just might find out that we're not righteous. And you guys, that is the beginning of salvation. And that is the one thing that so many people are missing is the humility to acknowledge that we are not righteous. Here's the last thing you can write down today. Jesus expresses his grace, by exposing our self-righteousness and handing us the truth we were looking for all the, all along. You were looking for more happiness. You were looking for more joy. You were looking for acceptance. You were looking for people to respect you. You were looking for honor. Maybe, I don't know what you were looking for, love. But all the things that you were looking for are found in the truth of Jesus. They're found in coming clean about your sin and and exchanging that lie for something that is true. So in Jesus' grace, in his goodness, his love, he exposes our self-righteousness. And maybe today you're, you're, you feel a little exposed. Because you're like, yeah, there's some stuff that I've kept the hood down on for a while. Um, there's some things that I've never told anybody. Because I just, I don't know what's on the other side. And maybe you're just afraid. You're just afraid of what might happen next if you were to come clean. And I want to close out with this, this story in John chapter 8. And this is a story of a, of a woman who's laid bare before a lot of people. And it's really like worst-case scenario for all of us. I mean, the worst-case scenario is that we're found out, that we're caught red-handed in our sin. And this is where this woman finds herself. It says this, John 8, verse 2. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery, they made her stand before the group and, Jesus, and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? And they were using this question as a trap in order to have basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first To throw a stone at her. This is how Jesus deals with somebody who is laid bare before him. And do you notice that the only one who actually is sinless is the only one who is not holding a stone? And if you're here today and you've been wounded by the church or by Christians because you felt like Christians always had stones in in their hands, I just want to say I'm sorry. I want to tell you that doesn't look like Jesus. So Jesus looks at this woman with compassion. Verse 9, At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Think of the embarrassment. I mean, she's probably naked. All of her mistakes are laid bare before her, her, all her community. Everybody knows what's going on right here. Verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Verse 11, no one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Now listen to how Jesus closes. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. So I want you to know Jesus in his grace always tells the truth. He always tells the truth. So it would have been unloving of Jesus for him simply to say, I don't contem- condemn you go continue in your life. Go on, do it. And there is a lie that is all over the world today, all over our community, all over our nation, that if you challenge what somebody believes, that that must be unloving, that that's judgmental. But here's Jesus, the one sinless person in the room, he's not holding a stone, he's not there to condemn her, but to call her into the truth. And I love how he carries both of those things hand in hand. He says, listen, I'm not here to condemn you, but I will call you to something better. I love you enough to call out the lie in your life and give you something that is true. Go and sin no more. In other words, don't continue on in this life of adultery. There is a better thing to believe in. And I just want you to know here today, there is something better to believe in. There is a better way of living There's a better way of life and Jesus gives it to us. And what you've maybe seen as religion or people put rules and shoved those down your throat for so many years, I want you to hear today that anything that Jesus tells us to do is always for our betterment. It's always to give us something that's better in our lives. Jesus says, hey, you're not condemned, but leave your life of sin. Choose something different and walk in the light. Would you bow your heads with me? I just want to ask you to take a second and, and visualize whatever it is in your life that is a lie or maybe an area of your life where you have chosen to try to be in the dark. You've chosen to not pop the hood. You don't want to look at the truth because you're just afraid of what you might find out. And I want you to picture Jesus. The one who could cast stones, who never does. The one who comes to earth and sacrifices himself would do anything to right the relationship that was broken between you and him. And maybe you need to put yourself in the place of this woman because that's how you feel today, scared and afraid of what might come. I want you to know that this is how Jesus responds to us. This is how he gives us grace. He says, I'm not here to condemn you but I will call you to the truth. And so what is Jesus saying that's more true today? What is the lie that he wants to call out? And what does he want you to believe differently? God, we confess together that in so many ways we've called you a liar and we've rejected what is true. But Father, would you make that known to us today? In just the quietness of our hearts and And maybe as we just go to bed tonight, Father, that you would illuminate the truth to us, that you would call out the lies in our lives. Father, that we would acknowledge them, that we'd confess those to you and then to others, that we wouldn't walk through this life alone. God, thank you that you don't cast stones. God, we know we have a city full of people who need your grace. I pray that we would be agents of grace to the people around us who pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.